and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Menu Podcast. My name is Claire and I'm your host. In this episode, Menusano founder Sonia Kudo is joined by Honeycomb CEO and co-founder Tamir Barzilai. They'll be discussing Honeycomb's story and the impact of nutrition and allergen technologies in the food and beverage industry, so stay tuned. Welcome back to another Minifano. Uh, my name is Tanya, and I am the founder of Minifano. And today we are going to have a special guest come on and join us. His name is Tamar from Honeycomb.ai. Uh, and we are going to have a discussion on everything to do with building apps and startups and nutrition and the restaurant business. Welcome, Tamar. How are you? Good, good. Cool. How, how are you doing? Tamir, by the way, but Tamir is, is Tamir, a Tamir, okay. <laughs> pleasure. It's a pleasure to connect with you. And, uh, you know, obviously anyone in, a, in the same space, we're accomplishing a similar mission. So uh, more power to you and looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I figured a good way to start would be for you to just like tell us a little bit about you and your backstory. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I mean, uh, I'm the CEO, co-founder of Honeycomb. I, I started this company. What we do, we have a really simple mission, right? The North Star of the, of the company is to help anyone in the world, no matter their dietary preference, find something they can eat, right? Whether that's a restaurant, a hotel, you know, when, when you're traveling, a campus that you're on, if you're studying, you know, your workplace, finding food these days with a particular diet um, or, or set of dietary preferences is, is a real challenge. And, uh, you know, a, a, a big pet peeve of mine, which I guess is more than a pet peeve, but it's that the major food tech companies, the major online ordering companies, the major delivery companies, um, see people with dietary restrictions as an afterthought. Um, they, you know, uh, uh, and, and also, frankly, the majority of restaurants and supermarkets and whatever uh, like to put everyone together in uh, the vegan box or the vegetarian box or the gluten-free box. And that's why on menus, we'll see a V insignia, we'll see a VG, we'll see a GF. And if you hit the lottery, maybe you'll see like an NF, which stands for nut free, but which nut, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it, it, it's quite a strange situation given that 38% of North, North Americans have some sort of dietary need uh, or diet that they follow. So uh, the reason why I started the company was... Um, I was diagnosed with a, a disease called ulcerative colitis. It's an autoimmune condition of the colon. And pretty much uh, your body just starts attacking itself and it gets triggered and you get into this uh, super inflamed state. Uh, and, and the first time it happened to me, I was, you know, halfway across the Atlantic in, uh, you know, a, 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 in an airplane headed to the Middle East. And it was my first ever international flight. And I'd never been to the Middle East before. And so when I landed, not only was I in a new destination with unfamiliar food choices, I now had this unfamiliar, you know, this unfamiliar set of symptoms. And so I had to battle that. Fast forward a month later, I left Vancouver at 145 pounds. I came back at 120 pounds. And I'm already a skinny guy to begin with. So I came back looking, you know, like my mother couldn't recognize me at the airport. Um, I went to the doctor, the, the, uh, the GI, he did a blood test. And you never want your doctor to use profanity to describe your illness. And he used, you know, enough profanity to say, hey, you need to get to the hospital right away. So I wow. spent some time there. 
Um, and I had another company I was running at the time. And, and after a few months, and I finally made it out of the house to go to a couple meetings, I found myself in downtown Vancouver looking around for options to eat. And every time I'd end up at Subway. And the reason why I'd end up at Subway is not because I like the food. I hate the food, frankly. Um, it's okay for one day, for two days, for three days. But if you start having it weeks at a time, uh, it's awful. But the reason I kept going there is because I can choose the ingredients. I can select what is going into right. uh, the, the, the dishes that I'm having, right? And, and then I thought to myself, wait a second, I'm in downtown Vancouver. There's so many amazing restaurants, eateries, cafes, bakeries. Why isn't there some way that uh, some service that could map out all of the items that are out there and also mapped out my exact dietary preferences and could just match us up together. And it seemed like a fairly straightforward idea. And so uh, I realized very quickly that it is not so straightforward. Uh, it's straightforward in theory, but in practice, it's not. So that's sort of um, how, how I came about to, to do in Honeycomb. So th there's an intro for you. <laughs> that's a great intro. I mean, I, to I can totally relate to that. I, I, I was a vegan for uh, five years and I just found myself not really being able to to eat wherever I wanted and one of my best friends is celiac and she has like serious celiac and every time we decide to make dinner plans it's always a chore where because you know when you have serious celiac you cont contamination is, is a very serious thing right so it's always challenging because you never really know where you can go and eat and you're right restaurants they have these things on their menu but it's not like they're really putting an emphasis on on that population that has those specific needs so i can totally um understand so can you tell us a little bit more about the app and how it works and how um, people can use it yeah yeah so uh yeah we have an app here at honeycomb it's actually not currently available on uh on any of the app stores um, we've been doing a lot of testing and r d over the last few years because if you think about making an app for a second you know First of all, there are a lot of companies that have tried to make this app. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm not the first one. I'm not, you know, didn't, didn't come across some revelation in the mountains or anything like that to come up with. <laughs> um, but uh, but the re the reality is, you know, there are many carcasses of these companies. We don't see anyone actually getting the job done, and I recognized that early on, and I knew this was going to be a long, hard, tough road to getting to that you know product market fit destination which is basically the startup version of nirvana uh if you if you can get to that and and you know i i certainly believe that we're getting to that but it's a process and so we had many versions in the past that we've tested with different cohorts um because if you think of the dietary continuum you have people on one end who hate mushrooms um who dislike onions and then on the other end, you have, you know, people with severe allergies that, you know, will go into anaphylactic shock um, if they, you know, are presented with, with a dish with cross-contamination, for example, right? And then everyone in between, you have the ethical diet, like, you know, plant-based, environmentally friendly, stuff like that, um, gluten-free, and then you have celiac, and then you have gluten intolerance in the middle. So it is really a, a spectrum. And so how do you create one interface that accommodates for all of that, that doesn't just accommodate you know, a broad spectrum of different preferences and different restrictions, different ingredients, but also, you know, if you think about uh, the x-axis of, of ingredients, also the y-axis of, um, of severity, right? Mm -hmm. and, and sort of that's where we innovated on a little bit and, and um, uh, in our product. So now I'm sort of happy to announce that 
the app is going to be available for Android and, and, and iOS um, uh, later this summer. So looking at the, uh, towards the end of September. And uh, that will uh, basically, you know, uh, as far as answering the question for people who are unfamiliar with the app, it's very simple. You create a profile, you enter your dietary preferences, you enter severity of diet, severity of allergies. And just like that, everything that you see in the app, it looks like any discovery app, any Google Maps of some sort, um, but you're only seeing things that are suitable for you. If you want to place a search and you search burger, but you're on a vegan and gluten-free profile, then you're only going to see vegan and gluten-free burgers. You don't need to specify anymore. You specify one time and everything you see ever again in the app is suitable for you. And not only do we tell you what places you can go to, we also tell you what items you can eat at those places. And then of course, it's very easily able to place an order via any of the major delivery platforms, or if you want to now, you know, uh, COVID is pretty much, uh, you know, well, things are opened up now, you can, you can place a reservation. So uh, that's how the app works. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, I guess, another long answer. <laughs> that's great. So you've brought up like some really good points uh, through that, which, you know, uh, you said you, you did a lot of testing, you worked with a couple of cohorts. I mean, I remember when we first decided to, to launch Menusano, which is uh, an app for the food service industry that helps them uh, create, uh, get the nutrition analysis that they need done instead of having their food sent to a lab. Uh, when we first started, it was, it was really difficult and the technology wasn't available and there weren't that many people doing what we were doing. And, you know, we failed a couple of times before we could really, um, uh, you know, get it out. And I remember having to scrap it at one point and, and just completely shelf it and then coming back to it and trying to work on pilot uh, yeah. programs. Um, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've been encountered in, in, in trying to like build this thing out? Yeah. And, and first of all, uh, a ton of respect to you for, you know, cause I understand, I appreciate most in the startup space, other entrepreneurs who are in the trenches doing the work. Um, that's my, you know, I, I can really relate to that and, and, and I really appreciate that. And sometimes people sit on the high horse if they're an investor or whatever, but at the end of the day, my respect goes to people who actually get the job done um, and, and, and are in the trenches doing work. So, so kudos to you for doing all what, what you've done with, with Menusano. As far as the challenges, um, so many. I mean, we, we could have a podcast just called- Tell me your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> called challenges just called all the mistakes tamir has made um and and that would include an even bigger list of things outside of the company <laughs> um but no the i mean yeah i think one of the biggest challenges is creating that one singular interface for mm. everyone with different diets because if you think about this like having an app for only vegans would be pretty easy yeah. don't annotate anything else you only need to worry about one uh one dietary cohort uh and then you're good if yeah. you create a gluten-free app you're good and this is why happy cow exists this is why find me gluten-free exists right this is why you know i'm sure there's some keto finder out there. there's a few keto finders that exist right because it's just one the problem mm -hmm. that we have on a technical level on a data level on an onboarding level is when you start combining them together right and if you're combining them together hold on a minute the vegan doesn't care about the person who has a gluten intolerance unless they have it, right? right? The keto person doesn't care about the person with peanut allergies, right? And so you start to have these not necessarily opposing 
um, diets, but you, you, you have different segments that aren't necessarily on the same team, right? You know, the, the plant-based movement is not based off of people following a low-carb diet, right? So if now, if you make any mistakes in that experience, right, that you're going to have a bad time because now all of a sudden you're, you know, catering for the wrong person. You're catering right. for the wrong segment. And so creating a singular app that makes the vegan feel like it's a vegan app just for them, that was a huge challenge, right? It, let's say you have like a very diverse diet. It's like you're plant-based, you're also low carb and you don't eat seafood and you have an allergy to onions, right? We want the app experience to feel like the entire app was made for that particular person, for that particular makeup. Uh, mm -hmm. And that part was super challenging to do. Uh, and, and then obviously the, the other part that was super challenging is just, uh, you know, talking to restaurants, getting them onboarded, uh, figuring that part out. It's a lot of door to door, a lot of cold calls, a lot of uh, doors getting slammed in my face and, and people hanging up on me, uh, people ignoring and, and, and a lot of bad situations. People would uh, restaurants sometimes would tell me, uh, yeah, we don't like people with allergies. We don't want to turn our restaurant into a hospital. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so that's severe. And, and, uh, but lately I think people are getting a bit better because as I said, 38% of people these days are following some sort of diet. So chances are your family member, you know, your spouse, your, uh, uh coworkers, your friend group, somebody, you know, is, you know, is going to have some sort of a, a, a diet these days or, or a dietary yeah. restriction. So it's getting a little bit better, but these are some of the challenges for sure on, on the user side and, and also the restaurant side. I can totally relate to that. I remember when we first. Um, well, at first we thought the Menusano app was only going to be used for restaurants. We pivoted and then realized that our biggest market was actually food manufacturers, although we still sell uh, to restaurants. But in the beginning, when we thought it was just restaurants, one of our biggest challenges, just like you, was getting the door slammed in our face. And we had people just say to us, we don't want people to know what's in their food yeah, because yeah. if they think that they're eating something that's unhealthy, they're not going to want to come back here because our application is focused on the, the nutrition and the calorie information yeah. that restaurants yeah. can display on their menus. So yeah. they just, they just didn't want it. But, you know, we actually took the step to try and make restaurant owners understand that there's an opportunity for them to start a whole new client base or business that they didn't have before where they can bring new people into their restaurants if they focus on that particular area and offer some healthy choices and you know it doesn't have to be their entire menu but a chicken wing place can also have some healthy food so that if someone who does let's say there's a couple and one is healthy and the other one isn't they can still both go to one place and have options for what they need right yeah yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be ubiquitous. You don't go to the supermarket now and pick up any product and say, oh, this this product decided not to show their ingredients. This product decided not to show their nutritional information. Yeah. It's just a matter of time before it happens, before it's standardized. I don't know how long it's going to take, but that's the future is, is empowering the customers to decide what they want to put in their bodies, not because some chef decides that they're going to stack up a brioche bun with as, as much sugar as humanly possible and say, well, yeah. it's delicious. I might as well just have Coca-Cola, right? Right. But we, we also live in such a different time now. I remember like years ago, this was something that people didn't care about. So the food service industry, restaurants and food creators, they, they dictated to us what we should and shouldn't eat. And they, 
health was never an option. Now right. we live in a different world where disease is on the rise, diabetes is a global pandemic, and people with you know with technology also being so available to people people are thinking about their health in a different way and they're making they want to make healthier decisions and they want to have control over their body so it's almost like you know you have to you know consumers are going to be the ones driving the industry to make that real change if not i don't think food service industry is really that interested in in making that change because it's also a cost to them right yeah, no, de I definitely see it from the restaurant side. I actually, my previous company was uh, working with a ton of restaurants, and that that's sort of how I ended up here is the other half of me. Um, and so I definitely appreciate it from the the inside out. Uh, I, I to be clear, I'm not blaming any restaurant for not onboarding onto this. I just think eventually it's going to become yeah. you know a necessity. Yeah, for sure. So, how does your application work on the restaurant side? Yeah, so on the restaurant side, that's actually been like. Uh, sort of a surprise success for us because we obviously are so user focused, but we realized that we can solve the chicken and egg problem because any investor, immediately investors, when I tell them about my company, like, what about the chicken and egg problem? What about, <laughs> like, all right, I understand. Just <laughs> uh, it's not all about chicken and egg. There's solutions. So, um, so, so the, what we did is we created basically a mini version of Honeycomb that lives on the restaurant's website. So you can go to one of our clients, right? You could take like um, uh, uh, just any of our clients and, and it's available on our website, live examples. And you basically go on the menu of a restaurant. When you get to the menu, typically what people do if they have dietary restrictions is they're starting to parse through the menu. These days we're like downloading PDFs and zooming in, you know, from all these QR codes and, and trying to find any sort of information. So instead of doing that, we have a little button next to the menu that says filter menu by diet. You click on that button, it opens up a little pop-up, a little plugin, and it allows you to instantly put in your dietary preferences and immediately see uh, the most suitable items to eat at that restaurant. Right. So it's just like an instant way to look at uh, uh, for, for users and customers to find out what they want to eat. Then they can go ahead and place their order, make a reservation, whatever. So it's the exact same principle as Honeycomb, except just narrowed down to that one specific menu. Uh, and that's been you know a huge hit for us. And we've had hundreds of thousands of people um, use it, you know, just in Western Canada, uh, not even Western Canada, just in B.C., honestly. So um, that's been really good. And then the restaurant also get access to, to analytics so they can actually see who's been clicking what and uh you know what is the current trends like maybe the last few months vegan has been trending upwards or people are clicking you know they have more dairy intolerances and so if they don't have too many dairy-free options and a lot more people are clicking for dairy intolerances well that's a very clear revenue optimization for the restaurant so it really helps on on both sides and uh, one thing I'll say is the restaurants that get it, similar to, to you and, and the product that you sell to, to restaurants, the restaurants that get it will use it and understand it, and their customers will love it. Some restaurants aren't quite there yet. There's an adoption cycle to this. So I'm not um, – again, there's no blame. If, if, if a restaurant's not quite there yet, that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. They will get there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's I just – Change is hard, right? And, and yeah. you sort of have to learn, and there, there's a cost to everything for everyone on, on that side. Um, so, what has been your favorite part of the process so far? My favorite part of the company? Yeah. I, I yeah. I mean, my favorite part of the company is is probably like 
my team and the vibe and uh, the culture that we've put together. And uh, yeah, it's fun knowing that we're, we're on a mission to help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Just about making money. There's so many things under the sun that we could be doing to make money. This is about yeah. accomplishing a goal. I feel like we're at the frontier of, uh, of the industry that we're doing the work that we're going to see now manifest over the coming years. And we've put already a few years into this. So I'm excited knowing that I'm doing really important work. It's helping a lot of people and I'm having fun doing it. And, uh, and that makes, that makes it worth it to, to pay the price that we've paid. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to sort of just talk about, um, and you mentioned it, and this is something that I come across all the time, tree nut allergies. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, there are, I don't actually think people realize that there are so many different types of tree nut allergies. It's not just you're allergic to, to nuts. There, there's different types. Can you talk a little bit about what you went through? What was your process like to uh, identify each one and filter that out? Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as filtering out individual tree nuts, um, that list can get pretty exhaustive. So typically, typically people with tree nuts, uh, tree nut allergies will tend to avoid anywhere where there's any chance for cross-contamination of any Mm -hmm. tree nut. Because if there's one type of tree nut, there might be an issue with other types of tree nuts as well, just in terms of cross-contamination. So we actually found through user testing, just to keep it broad, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, this item contains tree nuts or not, restaurants can define further if they would like to. Okay. Um, but as far as the, the, the experience from our end, you know, if you have a severe tree nut allergy, we're not going to take you to a restaurant. That, and, and if you're allergic to walnuts and, uh, and, and they have a ton of hazelnuts there, that's not the vibe that we're aiming for, uh, right. as for the experience because it's still so sketchy. Um, so we just, if there's any tree nut on premise premises and you have some form of tree nut allergy, it's like, forget about it. We're not taking you to that destination. So that's how we sort of approached it. It's more of a safety thing. Right. We're not, we're not health inspectors. We don't actually go in and, and, you know, do the inspection ourselves. Cause that would be, I mean, that, that would be too, too ludicrous. I would say, um, as for the restaurant to pay for, for that type of a service. At right. least for until the yeah, yeah, you yeah. Sort of keep it within that, and then you know anything below that is sort of part of that group. Yeah, because if you think about people with severe allergies, they care about the food, they care about the items that they're ordering, but they care more about the fact if there's cross contamination, right? right. Uh, yeah. So, so if there's already like tree nuts on the premises, like they're not even they don't even want to go to that restaurant. Like they, it doesn't matter if that particular item doesn't have walnuts, let's say if they're allergic to walnuts. So yeah, that's we, safety first for us. So we take yeah. as much precaution as possible. So that's sort of how we solved it. If restaurants want to define, restaurants can define whatever they want with our platform. Right. And I mean, so many countries are now putting uh, laws in place to sort of cater to the whole allergy thing, uh, you know, like Natasha's law in the UK. Um, are you guys only in Canada? I know you're you're going to be launching, but is it? Are you starting in Canada? Is it global? Can you cater to anyone in any country? Yeah, actually, yeah. I just had a on our podcast actually speaking to someone who who wrote an article about um, you know the, the Natasha's Foundation, and um, I know the article wasn't about Natasha's Foundation, but there was a, in the UK some sign up that was put up in front of a restaurant saying, "If you have allergies, don't come in." Oh. Um, 
And it was just like, you know, talking about, you know, the fine line of what restaurants are willing to accommodate and what, uh, you know, what, what they're not able to accommodate, but also, you know, the, the decorum of having that conversation and not going back to, you know, a world war two era where we have to start banning people from going into businesses. Um, but as far as, as far as expanding, uh, and, and yeah, I, I think Natasha's foundation, if people are interested, they should go check that out because it's a super uh, important foundation for people with food allergies. Uh, as far as our expansion, yeah, we're in Canada, uh, United States, Australia, and we will be, and also in the UK, uh, and we'll be expanding across there and launching sort of um, in uh, in segments uh, starting in, in uh, end of September. So anyone can can uh, can sign up and, and pre-order uh, on our website for any of those countries right now. Okay. Awesome. So how can people find you? <laughs> Next question, the plug, what you've been all been waiting for. Uh, well, basically you can go check us out uh, at get.honeycomb.ai. So it's get.honeycomb.ai. Uh, and, and pretty much you can go and, and learn a little bit more about the app and what we have coming for this new version. And you can pre-order right now. And the, honestly, the pre-order price is insane. I don't even know why I have it up right now like that. But it just for, it's honestly just to get people to test it. So if you're, if you're willing to test it, you get a crazy deal. Um, it's $24. So it's $24 US, not Canadian. Um, but that gets you lifetime access. You never have to pay for it again. So think oh. about it. That's like the cost of one messed up meal gets you yeah. access to never having a messed up meal again. Right. Um, right. If you think about it that way, it's, it's a no brainer and you get to sign up and opt in for our early adopter tester program, which means that you actually get one to one contact with our uh, developers and we make sure the app that we're building is, is going to be suitable for you. Um, unless it's some crazy <laughs> yeah, unless it's some crazy technical feature that you're asking, then we'll probably just uh, ignore that question. But. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you can relate. I'm sure you can relate to the. Uh... I, I really can. I really can. Yeah. But one of the things that has really made us successful is, you know, listening to our users. And, you know, we've been fortunate that even during COVID, we have been able to pivot and we have been able to uh, have a lot of growth. Uh, but, you know, anytime our, our support team, we're, we're always busy, but we're always listening and we're always creating a roadmap of, okay, you know, we have a lot of people talking about how this would really help them. This is obviously something important for our users. Let's put it on the roadmap. Let's get it out. Like we just did a feature that um, brings in uh, moisture loss into recipes. So, you know, when you're, when you're cooking versus having a raw recipe, um, the moisture changes, whether you're boiling, there's water loss, and that changes the nutrition composition of that meal, right? So we knew that that was important to our, our users who were who were baking things and things like that, because, you know, sometimes it can be a, a large amount that makes a, a huge change to, to yeah. the nutrition, right? So we knew that that was important. We also knew that we had no idea how to go about it. So there was a lot of research that had to go into that feature in order for us to accommodate. But you know, I know that it's something that people really value uh, in the software. And, and 
that's just one thing that we do, like listening to our users, having them uh, give us feedback and, and telling us what will make things easier for, for them has really helped uh, make it successful. So I, I think that, w- that what you're doing is great and getting early adopters and getting that feedback, it'll definitely, you know, make it a killer app. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, not to mention all the, the uh, thousands of people that we've spoken to at this point or, over the years, but this is very much for uh, er- like early adopter testers for this latest version um knowing that we've made all the changes and yeah number one thing when you know you get any startup advice talk to your users listen to what they want um and then and then build for that that's a really cool feature the 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 moisture thing Um, yeah that's awesome your product sounds your product sounds great and uh uh, if any of our clients are are you know interested in in that i'll definitely send them your way um are you mostly in uh canada at the moment we we have gone global without even wanting to. <laughs> right on, right on. Amazing. Yeah, so we we we've we've really really done a, a good job in replacing the lab as much as we can. So, um, you know, traditionally people had to send food to a yeah. lab to get analyzed, yeah. and you know there are specific things where you still need to send something to a lab, but we've tried to eliminate that as much as possible because our goal, just like yours, was to contribute to global health. And we just wanted to do that by providing the nutrition information, right? So, um, you know, to send food to a lab, the cost of that globally mostly is about, you know, Canadian dollars, about 800 to $1,200 per dish, which yeah. for a restaurant, for a manufacturer, that's a lot of, a lot of money. And our application starts at about $35 per month. You can subscribe monthly or yearly. But we really just wanted to provide something that was cost-effective that would encourage users to actually say, hey, I really want to uh, adopt and use this in my in my food facility because yeah. it's going to benefit other people and it's going to contribute to global health. So, yeah, we've seen a huge increase. Uh, we have customers in Dubai, Qatar, Indonesia, everywhere australia and and we welcome it we realize that we we do cater to three main uh areas which is canada the us and the uk and we provide those compliant labels so our labels are all compliant with the government public health um measures in those countries but uh we we are global because the fda the usda labels um, are used globally as well. So a lot of companies can come to us and use those labels. And we have, you know, we have keto labels, we have cannabis labels, we sort of are catering to, to that specific niche. So it's been, it's been, it's been a wild ride, just like you, but it's, you know, it took a while to take off, but now we're there. So, and I, 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 I love our conversation because I love talking to other entrepreneurs or other companies that are trying to focus on health. Or trying to focus on not like you like you said not just making money but contributing to 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 something that's going to change the world and going to make things going to make help people live better lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I and and I, I once again kudos to you as well because you know you are helping to prove out the economic model. Uh, that's what we're trying to do to help prove out the economic model because what I would love to see is like Uber Eats or DoorDash or one of these companies say, you know what, let's throw like $100 million at this problem and let's start fixing it. Yeah. For me, I, I don't really care. Like, yeah, we're going we're, we're gonna to get the job done. You guys are going to get the job done. But at the end of the day, it's these big fish that are really going to move the needle um, yeah. for everyone. And of course, we're all going to benefit from that when they do it because we're going to be the, the, 
you know, the, um, the standard bears, the benchmark for what is the correct way to do it. Um, and I think it's going to end up benefiting everyone. So I think once, you know, we prove it out, you know, even more and, and, you know, we start to see all of our companies take off even more. Um, and then it goes into the mainstream mainstream, then, uh, the world is going to be a better place. Most definitely. Yeah. And we get to be pioneers in sort of, you know, getting it off the ground, which is also really exciting. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for, for coming on. It was lovely to meet you. I really enjoyed our conversation and we will um, be promoting this uh, through our, all of our um, social media feeds. Again, um, people can contact you directly through your, your website and uh, we'll, we'll keep you in, uh, uh, I'll keep you in my mind as well if I see an opportunity for us to work together or to promote cool. your product as much as possible. I think, I think you have an amazing product. I'd love to, to, to help you get it off the ground. So Great, thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sonia. Let's definitely set up a, a chat uh, off the air at some point. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, <thank laughs> okay so great. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Bye. Okay. And that was our episode. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to know more, we've left some really helpful links around the talking points in the description of the episode. You can find many Sano across many platforms such as Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The links are also in the description. Thanks for listening.